Welcome back to the Board Game Battles podcast. This is episode 18, our Halloween episode for 2017. I'm your host, Randall, and with me are my co-hosts, Jeff and Drew. Hey. Hi. Although <laughs> I must say I'm already disappointed in this one. There was no spooky introduction. Oh, it was just... I can't do spooky. <laughs> <laughs> spooky <laughs> voice. There you go. There you go. There's your spooky. Well, maybe. You get maybe what not. you pay for, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. That's right. Uh, and the level of talent is commensurate. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, today we're going to be uh, discussing two games that are both centered around basically haunted houses. Maybe not always, but around there. Uh, we're going to be discussing Betrayal at House on the Hill versus Mansions of Madness. Um, with Betrayal, we're including the expansion Widow's Walk. And for Mansions of Madness, uh, we're, we played the uh, second edition. So those are the two we're going to be focusing on. And then following, we'll have a little discussion uh, just talking about uh, board games that are good to play around Halloween. Uh, maybe not your uh, your typical ones, but uh, we'll see what we can come up with. So uh, look forward to that. But now let's get into it. Uh, the first game we're going to discuss, Betrayal at House on the Hill. First released back in December of 2004. Uh, primary designer was Rob Davio. And also listed is Bruce Glasgow, Bill McQuillan, Mike Selenker, and Tewin Woodworth. Woodworth sorry. Um, has a BGG rating of 7.1 from 24,000 ratings. Uh, some of the artists, Dennis Crabapple McLean, Christopher Moeller, and Peter Whitley. Publishers, Avalon Hill and Wizards of the Coast. Mechanisms. What was that I heard? It was a black cat noise that I just made to enhance the podcast. <laughs> Is that what that was? Yeah, sure. Why not? I thought it was one of my cats. Yeah, it was. Well, it was. Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. Okay. Oh, play along. <laughs> oh. Well, you never know. You have your tablet out, so you could have been <laughs> messing with me. <laughs> Making weird spooky sounds I'm not ready for. Mechanisms, cooperative play, dice rolling, modular board, partnerships, player elimination, Role-playing, storytelling, and variable player powers. Um, Rob Davio, um, he's been he's been doing a lot of games. He's been designing quite a long time now, since 2000. But a lot of his games typically have been on the, um, I don't know, maybe lighter side or more, more mass market side. Um, he was responsible for Star Wars, The King's Gambit. No, not The King's Gambit, but The Queen's Gambit. I mistyped there. Star Wars, The Queen's Gambit which uh, got, gained some notoriety as being one of the uh, better sort of mass-marketed Star Wars games that was out there. Uh, he also did uh, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer game, which also got some good uh, um, good uh, talk at the time as well. Uh, he's done Risk 2010 AD, and before doing, then, before doing Betrayal, and then in 2004 he did Betrayal the first time, and it's been around since, and has had a second printing, and now has had the Widow's Walk expansion come out for it. Um, but then he also went on to to really get uh, popular with the Legacy games. He uh, started with Risk Legacy, and then Pandemic Legacy, and Seafall, and then Season 2 of Pandemic Legacy. So he's really gained fame recently for those. So he's uh, he's really knocked a, uh, a real niche out for himself as far as Legacy games goes. And he's also done a ton of expansions for Heroescape and, and various versions of Clue and Monopoly. But So he's been designing games for quite a while. 
Um, now, getting into uh, the trails uh, rule book and component components, um, we were playing mainly with the uh, it was the first printing of uh, the Trailed House in the Hill. Um, so the rule book it was a it is an older version of the book. Um, I haven't seen the the more recent version. I know between the first and second printings, there was um, a lot of corrections made. There's quite a few. There's, when you look online in forums, you'll, you'll see various things about Betrayal. You know, a lot of people like to complain about how it can be a broken game. And there are certain times where it can come out that way, um, especially with certain haunts and um, how they can play out. But with the second edition, I know a lot of the, um, there's a lot of, errors uh, that were fixed with the second edition of the game um you can go online and print out um reprints of various haunts that were fixed because they're the ones that were in the books were a little broken so i know i've done that with my uh with our, my edition i have reprints of certain haunts um just to uh, i think they play out a bit better if you do that but uh you know so the rule book um for the most part though the rule book is a is a decent book uh, the rules are fairly well laid out. It's it's nicely, you know, put together. It's just nothing. It's not a fancy book or anything. It's not a, a special one or anything. It's just a, a standard, basic rule book. But you also get um, two additional guides with each of these versions. You get um, the trader's guide and the survivor's guide. And when we go through the mechanics, you'll just determine. You know, we'll let you know how those play into it. Um, and with Widow's Walk, the expansion. Um, you don't get much more. Um, you get uh, a sheet of additional rules, which sort of help you with the game a little bit, um, but not too much. It's just more about explaining the components that are coming with Widow's Walk. Um, Components-wise, both in the original and the various versions and Widow's Walk, you get a bunch of um, floor tiles, and they're all your kind of standard square uh, tiles, um, approximately maybe four inches by four inches approximately in size that you use to build a house as you go along. You get a ton of um, tokens and chits. Um, they represent different things. They represent items you'll find. They'll represent um, monsters you'll potentially run into. And they're just, there's various types. There's octagonal one, not octagonal, uh, pentagonal chits, triangular ones, square, and a bunch of little round ones. Standard cardboard quality, nothing too special, but again, not not too thin either. Just you know, your standard kind of quality, it's fine. Um, the room tiles, um, again, standard kind of quality, but they're not too thin. I don't think they're too thin. No, they're pretty solid. They're pretty solid. Yeah, you get uh, six miniatures for the uh, various uh, people. Um, characters you could be so there's a total of six different characters and you can play this game between three and six players so you have to have at least three at most six game time play uh, playthroughs is going to really vary um the more players you have obviously it will take a bit longer because you have multiple people taking turns but the turns are fairly quick because you're basically you can move interact with the room usually you know or explore interact with the room and, and that's typically what you're doing they can I guess it can slow down a little bit if there's a lot of reading for something. Well, and it really comes down to how quickly you get omens and how bad your luck is with rolling. Yeah, and that's when we get into the, the gameplay and, and, and how the game progresses. Yeah. Um, other than that, you get some little um, miniatures for each of the characters. Not fancy at all. They're plastic, pre-painted, 
poorly poorly poiler, poiler, <laughs> poorly pre-painted but for a game like this they're they're fine they're fine yeah, yeah and the fact that they went to the effort of just have them having somebody in a factory somewhere just quickly paint these things um i find it's a little bit nicer than having your standard gray you know if well you there, really there's a little to. bit of distinguishment there yeah. like they're easier to distinguish than if they were just a matte gray color, a matte gray so. kind of thing then it it's nice. easier to tell who's who because everybody is sort of their, their clothing's a bit color coded to their player board. Um, every character has a little um, pentagonal player board. It has uh, five sides, like I said. Um, two of the sides represent your uh, mental traits on it. It has um, numbers ranging from death, uh, and then they'll go up. Not necessarily one through ten or anything like that. They, the numbers will jump, um, but they'll they'll increase all the way up to maybe six or so, maybe a little bit higher. Um, so on the mental stats, you'll have like your sanity and your knowledge. And then on the other side is your uh, physical stats where you have your speed and your might. Um, and there, and you have some sliders that sort of slide onto these cardboard, um, character cards. And you just use that to keep track of your character. Both are double sided. They're all, they're all double sided. So the same miniature can be used for either side. And it's just playing a different version of each, um, of each one so you know there's a little boy and it could be like bobby or peter basically I, i'm not sure if those are the names but whatever um they might have a little bit and there's some details on each one giving them um like you know what their preferences are for whatever their likes and dislikes kind of thing when they were born which comes only comes into play at the beginning of the game really um but so, like i said there's up to six characters and there's um a, a standee or like a, a miniature and a cardboard thing for each person, and that's about it for just the chits and the and the um, and the and the rooms. And that's about it for components. Maybe one or two other things in the box, but nothing more than that. Then you have all your books. Uh, like I said, there's a trader's book and a survivor's book and the rule book. Um, so uh, rules uh, and gameplay. Uh, it's really a fairly basic game. Uh, everyone starts in the in the big foyer of this house. So you have this one tile that's sort of on the board on the table uh, that represents the foyer. It has stairs at one end and then four doors that lead off into other directions. And each person in turn will and you determine first player. Who you take all the characters, and whichever character has the next closest birth date to the day you're playing on is the first player. So everybody can move. How far you can move is determined by your speed characteristic. Um, whenever you uh, move into a, a room that hasn't been explored through a door, you have to flip over the uh, top tile. Um, each tile in the back, though, has different levels that it can be associated with. So in this game, you have your main floor, you, which is called the ground floor. You have the basement. Um, you have the second story. And then you have, um, with the Widow's Walk, the roof level as well which didn't exist in the original uh, uh, version. So you take the top tile. If it says that it corresponds with the level you're on, um, you'll flip it up and place it where you're going. Then you'll move into that room. You'll read the room. Um, you have to place the tile so that it, the doorways all sort of match any existing tiles if you can. You'll move into the room, read any rules on the room, look for any symbols on it, and depending on the symbols, you'll take an action. So if it has... Um, a symbol meaning there's an event, you'll flip over an event card. So there's three different decks. There's an event deck, an item deck, and a 
omen deck. So if there's an event, you'll flip over the event card, read it, potentially do something, and then the next person will take their turn. If it's an item, you'll flip over the item deck and potentially get an item out of it, which you'll ho hold on to. And if it's an omen, um, you'll flip over the omen one, read it. Sometimes you'll get an item out of the omen deck. Something, sometimes something will happen. And then, depending uh, whenever you get an omen card, uh, typically you'll be rolling dice to determine if the uh, um, the haunt starts or not. And that's the aim of this whole game. It's to explore this house until the haunt starts. And then you'll really find out what's happening. So the beginning part of the game is sort of, uh, yeah, you're just sort of wandering around, accumulating stuff, trying to increase your stats. Um, some rooms will say, hey, you, you, you go, you're in the library. You read a book, your knowledge goes up, that kind of thing. Um, and others can increase other stats as well. But the whole initial part of the game is to explore the house going up and going up to different levels sometimes you're falling through levels and going down to the basement without meaning to sometimes you find a mystic elevator which could randomly take you to a floor you weren't expecting to go to each floor has a um a landing so the, um so sometimes you'll end up at one of these landings whether you mean to or not and then you'll explore out from there um so that's uh, you know that's a different way that I, to uh, explore, um, to check things out, but you explore the house. You ex you explore you um, bring out more rooms, increase your stats, and then eventually, as you keep pulling omen cards, the haunt will start. And how that happens is every time you pull an omen card, no matter who it is on the in the game, you roll um, six dice. Uh, oh no, I actually roll. Is it all the dice? I think eight no, six. Dice? Is it just six? Yeah, yeah, I think it's six dice. You roll six dice. The dice are, look like your standard six-sided dice, but they're not. They have about, um, I think it's three blank sides. A couple ones and a two. A couple two. ones and a two, yeah. Um, and then whenever you, when you roll, you add up all the pips that show up. And if they are equal, or if they're less than the number of omen cards that have been pulled by the whole table, the haunt will start. So if you ever, you know, the very first time you pull an omen card, very ch very slim chance that the haunt will start because on six dice you should roll at least one. Um, so typically you'll have a several omen cards out before the haunt starts. I think when we played, uh, there were seven cards. It was on the seventh card. Yeah, seven uh, omens out. Yeah, the seventh omen card is when we finally rolled it, and one of us became the, the, uh, the or triggered the haunt. So when that happens, you have to determine, you have to find out what the haunt is. And how you determine what the haunt is, you see the room that you were in that when it triggered and what omen was that helped you trigger it. You go to a chart that's in the, the main book uh, and with Widow's Walk, you get an additional chart. Um, the original game came with 50 haunts and then with Widow's Walk, it added an additional 50. And so with Widow's Walk, it gave you a whole new chart, which includes all the original 50 and um, the, the new 50. You uh, cross-reference the omen with the room and it'll tell you what haunt you're going... Um, first, it'll tell you um, the haunt number. And then you'll look up on another chart the haunt number, and it tells you who the traitor is, if there is a traitor. Because there is a potential that there may not be a traitor. Um, there are a few haunts where it's, I think, more cooperative, but there's not that many of those. It's typically going to be that there's someone who's a traitor. And it's not always the person who rolled it. In the game that we played, it happened to be that I rolled the haunt 
and I was the, the traitor for it. So whoever is determined to be the traitor takes the traitor book and goes off into another room and reads the appropriate haunt. The rest of the people um, open up the survivor's book and they read the same haunt and they'll have different instructions, um, whether you're the traitor or the survivors. So each will have a specific goal. And um, once everyone's ready, they'll call back or they'll come and get the, uh, the traitor. The traitor will come back and then the game will continue. Um, the game continues with whoever the traitor is, the person to their left will become the, it's the ne their next turn. So it just happened to be that because I triggered the haunt, the person to my left got to go, even though it was, would have been their turn next anyways. But sometimes, you know, if someone else triggers a haunt, then it just means the turn order could change. But that's about it. Um, so yeah, once you get the uh, that the trader and, and the haunt begins, it's a just a race to meet your your win condition. Um, and then once one side gets their win condition, um, the game's over. Um, that's essentially it. So it's a fairly simple game. There's not a lot to it. It's it's movement. It's exploration. It's picking up items and improving your characters, and then you switch to survival mode. Switch, switch to survival mode, and it's one against many kind of thing. Typically, there are, like I said, some cooperative. I understand um, there may even be a, a hidden trader. I know there's a there's a new version of this game that also came out recently um, that's set in the uh, D and D universe, and it's called Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. So it's essentially the same game, just in a in a fantasy theme. And I, I heard that that version also has um, a hidden trader, some some hidden trader missions. There may be that in the Widow's Walk as well. I don't, I never, you know, I haven't. It's not like you read every haunt because you're not trying to spoil anything. So I don't know. There could potentially be hidden trader ones in Widow's Walk as well. But uh, from my understanding, in Betrayal at um, in Baldur's Gate, that there is also hidden trader versions. So. But yeah, that's essentially it. So yeah, we had a, a mission where I I triggered the haunt, I was the traitor, and then we played. And um, it, it's one of those games, uh, It's sometimes when you're playing it, you can have a bad run. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things where just the, it's it's so random, this circumstances can just get you in a spot where there's nothing you can do. I know we had once, I think it was with Tara, I can't remember, where she got trapped on a floor and she couldn't do anything and then the floor started filling, it was the basement. Yeah, she got trapped in the basement with no exit out of it. And the w and water started filling up the basement. So sometimes weird things like that can happen. I remember once, and I'm not sure if it was the same mission or if it was a different one, where, I'm not sure if it was myself or someone else, went through a one-way bookcase that sort of took you into another room and you had to ha you had to meet a certain stat to get back through. And the and the person, myself or someone else, didn't have couldn't make it back, so they were stuck in this room. They could explore out of it, but then they were cut off from the rest of the house. So stuff like that can happen. I don't know if it's necessarily broken. It's just I think. Well, the house is it's supposed to be somewhat alive in this sense. Yeah, it's so kind of against you. It's against you. So it's not it's it's an unfortunate thing when something like that happens, and I could see where people might lose some enjoyment when you get stuck in a situation like that but I, I i don't necessarily fault the game for it it's just something that could happen you watch these kind of movies all the time and you see somebody who gets separated from the rest of the and group and you just can't get back and yeah. they can't get back and then they get killed off right <laughs> um but i no, I, I find it's an enjoyable game it can be oh yeah totally <laughs> it was uh it was less so for me this time 
was because um, you basically just had to run away, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Well, no, it was. It was so uh, I was to Randall's right. Yeah. Yeah. And we were playing uh, with, you know, the maximum number of players. Yep. And so by the time that it got to me, um, you know, most of the cardinal directions had already been started. Yeah. And my movement was only three. Right. Right. So, at you know, th- throughout the game, only once did I did I get an item. Like I just you know all the rooms had had started to be explored. Um, I got one item that later on um, was basically useless. Like it, it it allowed me to re-roll a die, and at the expense of um, hurting like I, yourself or something was it? No, I, I had to give I had to give up the card. But I mean, oh it, right, it, so I re-rolled it and 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 it didn't change change the result. Didn't help you, yeah. And then beyond that, um, yeah, like, as Jeff said, it was it was nothing but run away yeah once we have the triggered yeah so so i i essentially did nothing the entire <laughs> game except yeah. movement yeah and when you did move into a new room you typically just got hurt by it if i remember correctly. like you didn't gain anything except um, the one item yeah right, right at the beginning i lost two points in two different stats i got one one back later but right. I, otherwise there was just there was no there, there was just sort of no interaction with the game yeah. other than movement and and like randall pointed out though i mean that's that can happen, yep. but it's not every game for sure. No, no. Well, and it's like my at our last playthrough, I hit three omens and then a treasure vault, right? And that was my entire yeah. like. So I was every time something interesting was happening to me, yeah. and then I got <laughs> items. So yeah. it was so completely get opposite of... to your yeah. gameplay. Right? You didn't get a lot of improvement on your character either. Whereas, well, my... I did get my knowledge all the way to the top. That's right. You for had my really character high was like eight at that point, which was oh. good. Because um, my character got a few upgrades and then a couple items, and then I triggered the haunt, and then I had to ch- I changed a bit based on the haunt. We won't say what haunt number we had, but basically I had some random. I had some items. I had like five items on me, um, and it turned out that my goal my goal was to try to kill off a couple of them, at least you know try to kill two, two yeah. people, and their goal was either to escape the house or destroy all my items. And my items had a correspond like I had to give a corresponding thing to each person. Um, it was randomized, so I had no idea who had what, numbered one through five. And I had these these tokens numbered one through five, and I could use these tokens to try to hurt the people. And if I happened to use the token that was the same number as something that that the person had, it um, made it harder for them, so there's a better chance of hurting them. Um, but I also had the option of destroying it. If I destroyed it and it was the right number for that person, then it it slowly killed them. Like, it didn't kill them right off, but it um, it was every turn they would get weaker and weaker, and then eventually they would die. Um, it happened to be that the first time I used an item, I, I, I lucked out and I used the right one. I knew, I had the right one that I knew what Drew's number was. Uh-huh. I didn't destroy it, so he wasn't dying, but now then that made the whole reason why he had to run away from me so that I wasn't able to destroy it with yeah, him he was already weak from exploring yeah. and then you found that joke right away or well item yeah, right item. away yeah. and then uh he had to run or else he was dead yeah the running well, I mean, or else he was dead fortunately yeah. though the the way that it played out it was very easy for me to get away and then just stay away yeah cuz mm-hmm. the well the rest of us jumped in the room with Randall yeah, and basically pinned, pinned him to a wall yeah he basically pinned me there and and were destroying my items before I could yeah. take you out i took out one person but i couldn't get the second person 
before you were able to destroy all my items. So, so yeah, I, you guys won that one. Went up to the second floor and wandered around till yep. the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> can I come downstairs yet? <laughs> yeah. So that, and that's you can see that's where sometimes this game can be a bit, um, you know, one person could have less fun because they're all they're stuck doing stuff where. There's nothing for them to do, and they're kind of stuck in well, waiting for everybody to do their thing. To be fair, though, if Drew would have listened to me from the beginning, <laughs> I did tell him to start kicking your character on turn one, and he didn't listen. Yeah. Does anyone listen to? But that was no. even before the haunt. Not though. not enough, anyway. <laughs> that was before the haunt. <laughs> I knew. Derry doesn't listen. I take I take her cue from her. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that um, that's betrayal at house in the hill. So it's it's yeah, and there's some. There's been I know there's talk on the forums about how there can be a problem with what's called the early haunt or something. Uh-huh. It's where the, it haunt it triggers so early that no one's prepared. No one's prepared, and, it, and it's just yeah, it, it sort of or sometimes it can stall, where you can get a haunt that um, just can't be completed, but for whatever reason, either the, the whoever's doing the haunt or whoever the trader is just is impossible for them to finish their side, or, or both both sides is something becomes impossible for them to finish. What I think my biggest problem with this one is that the beginning phase before the haunt, yeah. it it really just seems like game setup more. It, like it you, really don't get, is, you don't get you don't get thematic or anything yeah. until such a point as you hit the haunt, and then all of a sudden there's an objective. Before right. that, you're yeah. kind of wandering a bit aimlessly. You are. I mean, it, it, not that it's like bad. Just yep. thematically, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like the game gets going until you roll the haunt coming up. Yeah. Yeah, because you're exploring a spooky house, and you really—it's kind of a game where you kind of want to split up because as soon as that haunt triggers, you don't necessarily want to be next to somebody. Oh, and you don't want to be yeah. following in someone's footsteps like Drew, where you can't get yeah. to a new room. Yeah, and you only really get yeah, anything you, out of a room when you discover the room. That's yeah. right. Yeah, you some need rooms, to split up. Yeah, because some rooms will have an effect that can, you know, be triggered multiple times. But most of the time, it's yeah. you flip a room, you do its icons or whatever has happened to it, and then that's it. No one else gets the the benefit of it. Yeah. Um, you can also trade items between people if you happen to be in the same spot as them. But that seems, yeah. uh, until you know what the haunt is, it's yeah, kind of it, dangerous, dangerous to be cooperative in the beginning. Yeah, because if you're in the same spot as somebody and you or they trigger the haunt, all of a sudden you're going to be a threat to each other, maybe. Like I, I have two guns, but I'm not giving you one until <laughs> such point as I know you're not the evil person. And and. And though, to be fair, because when I triggered the haunt, it actually teleported me from where I was to the entrance. So it, it may move you around to yeah. this game. So, um, But yeah, okay. So that's uh, Betrayal House on the Hill. Uh, next, we'll talk about uh, Mansions of Madness. Uh, originally, it was released in 2011 and designed by Corey Knitzka, who's done a ton of stuff for Fantasy Flight. And you'll see his name all over most of the stuff that they put out. Um, but the second edition, which we played, came out in 2016 and was done by uh, Nikki Valens. And when you look at Nikki's stats, um, she's worked a lot on Eldritch Horror and uh, various expansions um, for these games. She worked on Eldritch Horror and various expansions. Um, she's worked on the various expansions for Mansions of Madness as well. Um, and... Um, that's basically it. There's also a Star Wars Empire versus Rebellion, but uh, so most of the work she's done has been with Mansions and Eldritch Horror um, artists for um, Mansions of Madness: uh, Christopher Burdett, Anders Feiner, Hennig Ludvigsen for the first edition. Um, uh, second edition artist Christy 
Baranescu, Jon Wassenet, Anders Feiner, Tony Fodi, and a, and a few uh, and some others. A publisher um, publisher for this one is Fantasy Flight Games and Edge Entertainment and ArcLight. Mechanisms, area movement, dice rolling, hand management, modular board, partnerships, pick up and deliver, role playing, and variable player powers. So you see, there's quite a few uh, mechanisms that are similar to uh, Betrayal House in the Hill. Um, now, the, the BGG rating for the original was 7.4 out of 11,000 ratings, and for second edition, it's 8.3 out of 8.8,000 ratings. So fairly, fairly good. And also for the uh, the second edition, it's one of those games that requires an app. So you have to have something that can play either you know either an Android tablet, an iPad. Um, I'm not sure there might be a computer version of it. Um, I haven't looked into that, so there might be a PC version of the app. I've you know I've never actually checked that, so I should. Anyways, so it, but it, it's a, one of the games that requires an app, and you have to have it. The original version. Um, split that so you had um, somebody who was the uh, what they call it there's one person who ran the game and then you had up to uh, four players who were the investigators but in this version um, you can play anywhere from one to five players um, and all five can be investigators no one has to run it and then the app does all the work for you you'll choose uh, components so let's go through components. Um, tons of cardboard in this one. Lots of different room tiles of varying shapes. Um, and they're all double-sided. So when you're building your, your map, you'll be flipping things around to finding the right tile. Um, you get uh, two main rule books. You get your first... Play- it does a lot, what a lot of the Fantasy Flight games have been doing lately. You get your first your, your initial rules reference, which we have your initial first rules guide or whatever you want to call it uh, that has the basic playthrough rules and takes you through how to play the game and then they have another book which is the rules reference which is the alphabetical listing of all the various types of rules and gives you clarifications on everything but um, mostly it's a the, the app will take you through everything and it's going to be a lot of investigating and rolling dice to um, for skill checks um, you get a lot of chits um, for various things that on, on the board, everything is fairly thick cardboard, so it's it's really it's really well made. It's really thick. It's um, good quality. You get um, the the miniatures are a little lesser quality. They're your typical board game style miniatures. They're not even I wouldn't even say that they're Star Wars Imperial Assault quality. They're lower, lower than that. They're they're probably closer to the Betrayal miniatures, but a little bit better, but not. Pre-painted, so not they're, pre-painted. They're, yeah. We had a few problems with distinguishing one character from another at certain points. Yeah, because you get your character card, so every every character has its own little character card, which gets its stats on it, and you're sort of looking at the picture on the card and trying to match it up with the miniature as close as you can. And usually they match up fairly closely, but not always. But you can sort of figure it out. But because they kept a simplistic miniature design, obviously, it, like yeah. two female characters would look relatively close if they're in the same pose so it became difficult to know it could be difficult and because they're not painted sometimes you're looking at the board and you see two gray female figures and you're like okay uh, which one's which yeah which one which one's am i yeah so it 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 does lend itself that you'd want to paint them if you had the time but or at least mark them or mark them somehow yeah mark the bases so you can keep track of things maybe um then there's also a ton of miniatures for the various things that you'll run into in the game 
again, same kind of quality, not the not the highest quality, but not bad. Um, and then each ba each creature has a, a special base as well. That and the bases are these slotted bases where they'll have a card inside the base, giving you the basic stats for the creature. Except that those were a pain. Those bases to put those miniatures, the yeah. monster miniatures, into those bases. Those little pegs were just. Yeah, the pegs don't always go in properly, and that might be the miniature's fault more than the base. But um, yeah, sometimes they didn't stick in the in the in the peg very well, or sometimes it's too loose and it just fall out right away. So I know it saves them a bit of like yeah production money or something, but I think it would have just been better to have them all based from the beginning and yeah, and stuff all there to... rather than messing around with slotting things and then pulling them off and slotting a new one for a different monster. Yeah, really, they oh, they should have just had a, maybe a separate guide for the monsters, and so. You're running into a cultist. Okay, get a miniature for a cultist, put it on the board, and just have like a book with saying, yeah. this is the cultist stats, or something like that. A you card or A card something. or whatever. Yeah. It didn't have to be these these square. And they've been doing this since their first version, too, so it's not new. Um, all the monsters have these square bases with square cards that slide into the bases, which, if you had to take them out, too, they're a bit of a hard to get out of the base. I think they give you enough bases um, that you can get away with having them slotted and never having to take them out. I know we had to change one out, but I think it's also because I have the first edition of the game, and with the conversion kit for the first edition, it allows you to use the monsters, the heroes, and even the board tiles from the first edition in the second edition game. Um, I think we had a bunch of extra monster ones that hadn't been slotted yet, and if I took the bases from my first edition and slotted all of them, because they are the same kind of bases... Probably you wouldn't be fine. have to switch. You wouldn't have to switch but them up. It doesn't change the fact that it's also not the easiest to see the numbers when they're slotted in the base yeah, anyways. It can be a bit tough to see uh, sometimes. Well, and I'm not going to say that it's impossible or anything. Yeah. It's just you do really have to be able to pick up that miniature to see the numbers most yeah. of the time until you're familiar with it. True. Yeah. So um, there are a few. There are some production issues when it comes to the miniatures and their bases. But for the most part, everything else in the game is, is fairly well done. Good quality cardboard. Um, you get a bunch of different kind of cards. Uh, there's item cards, spells, um, statuses, all that. They're all good quality cards. Nice. Um, I think they're like the linen kind of finish. Mm -hmm. So they're they're um, they, they do a good production on that. And anything that's not plastic is done nicely. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the dice are fine too. They're these eight sided dice that have different symbols on them. Um, some are blank. They're um, so there's three symbols. There's three sides. There's either a blank, there's a magnifying glass, or there's the um, the standard Eldritch sign, which indicates success in this game. And typical Fantasy Flight, it's an eight-sided. It's an eight-sided, yeah. Um, but the original game, um, when I was looking through it, all it had seemed to have in it, I think, was a single ten-sided die. It didn't even have all these special. Oh really? They, they they changed it quite a bit from first to second edition. So I think they actually improved how it worked because I remember, and I, it might go back even similar to like how Eldritch is, where Eldritch you're using six-sided dice and you need fives or sixes to succeed. I think it was something similar with a ten-sided dice, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Then they got experience making the Star Wars X-Wing games and stuff yeah. with their special dice. and yeah. I, I like the way the, that mechanic works, yeah. the way they've picked it, their own symbols and... Mm -hmm. I like the eight-sided dice a little better than a six-sided, just for a little bit better mm -hmm. yeah. variance and instead of just a one and six or something. Yeah, exactly. And they give you um, five dice in the box, 
which is usually enough. Um, and they're only used they're do, used for doing skill checks and for attacking whatever, which is always a skill check of some type. Um, but they're yeah they're standard standard quality dice, and and they're fairly well done. Um, so that's components. Gameplay. So like I said, this is an app driven game. So you have to have an, an app that everyone can either can see and hear because it's going to be the hearing maybe not as important there is talking at some at one point at the beginning of each um, um, at the beginning of each adventure there's like a narration which you can use so you really want people to be able to hear so you want a quiet setting um, now it happens to be that my tablet supports output to a TV so I had my tablet plugged into a, a TV that I have that's right near our, our playing space that helps a lot because then you know the TV's volume can be up a bit. It's easy to see; everyone can see on the TV and read everything clearly, and and hear everything. Um, I know I've played this kind of thing in a situation where it's sort of like a gaming convention, where you have a lot of people playing games around, and you have like a Bluetooth speaker attached or, or some kind of speaker attached to the tablet, and everyone's stra- straining to hear it. So that can be a bit of a pain. Um, but after the narration, hearing it is not as important. Just the mood music. It's just mood music, um, and then sometimes like, if there's like a thing, it'll give you some appropriate jump kind of music, whatever, or or fighting music. But that's about it. After after the narration, it's just reading the tablet mostly. Um, but essentially, what's happening is everyone starts in a depending on your on your mission or whatever. Everyone's going to start in a certain area. It'll tell you, and so you have a single tile on the board, or maybe one or two tiles on the board. It'll tell you uh, which tiles you need. Then it'll give you like points of interest on the tile. So it'll say, over here is a question mark. And so you put a question mark token where it indicates and saying, this is something you can look at. Over here is a door. And it'll give you another like a, a lantern symbol um, token that you want to put on top of that. This is somewhere where you can go and open this door and check out. Um, over here um, is an eyeball symbol, um, eyeball token that you want to put. It means if you go over to that area of the board and take a look, it'll expand more of the map for you. And then there's also an exclamation token that can come out, which is like it's something you interact with, um, like a radio or whatever. It could be in our case, it happened to be a radio, but it could be whatever. And a bell tower. And a bell tower so in ours as well. Ours. Yeah. Um, so it'll tell you where to put various things. And so everybody gets two turns. Um, and so it's it's a little weird when you're using the app. Because sometimes you're interacting with the app, and sometimes you're doing your actions and not telling the app what you're doing. Because in some, I guess the app doesn't need to know as long as you're policing yourselves and just doing your two actions, you're fine. Actions can be uh, movement, interacting with something on the board, uh, trading is an action. Um, if there's something to attack, attacking is an action, um, and that's the, most puzzles. of it. What's that? The, yeah, puzzles. puzzles. Yeah, doing a puzzle. Yeah, trying to solve a puzzle as an action. Um, so there's about four or five different things you can do as actions. Um, movement is typically you can move two spaces. I think there are some characters that can move faster. Every character has a, bo- a little player board, um, which gives you your stats. And there's about five or five or so different stats. There's like knowledge, lore, no lore, not not necessarily knowledge. There's like lore. There's might, agility, speed, agility. That's it. Willpower, Agility, willpower observation. observation. Yeah, and those are your different stats, and they'll have typically numbers ranging from 2 to 4. 5. 
or five. Yeah, there was five was a top. I think five was a top. Yeah, um, two to five. And what typically those mean is if you ever have to perform uh, a check with any of your stats, you'll be rolling the number of dice equal to your stat, uh, and the app will tell you when you're doing those checks. So you you know whenever somebody does something that requires interaction with the app, somebody will have to click on it, and it'll say, "Okay, this is what happens. Do this." You'll do it. You'll tell the app how many successes you get. It'll tell you what happens, and then you move on. And so it's keeping track of what's happening as you're going. Um, it can be a long game, so um, if your tablet or whatever you're using um, uses power fairly quickly or whatever, you want to make sure it's plugged in so you don't run out of power as you're playing. And don't trust the game's time <laughs> mechanic because yeah. uh, they told us that, that what our scenario was supposed to last at most two hours i think it was was 90 to 120 minutes approximately yeah and And we went four hours we went four hours easily and we weren't like there wasn't a lot of game pause where we were looking up rules or anything like that and it could be just because there was five of us it took so long because like but i would have expected less people to be in the 90 minute range yeah more people being at the two hour range not you know, oh, add another person, and all of a sudden you're going to jump up to four hours. That's, yeah, that was a little off. It was it was a bit off because we there was like and then we were doing one that was there's different difficulties for these different missions as well. Like your intro one, I think is a two difficulty. Um, we looked at one that was three difficulty, but it was saying that the the, the playthrough would have been four or five hours, and so if that was off, you're probably looking at six or seven yeah. hours. And then we did one that was a little bit harder, which was a four difficulty, and it said it would be 90 to 120 minutes. So your play times will vary. So don't necessarily um, just don't trust guarantee what the app says as the play time. And the app gives you, like with the base game, the app gives you about four or five different scenarios you can do. Um, I also have the original uh, game, which gives you an additional scenario in that list. And so it'll use its tiles for it. Um, there's scenarios you can unlock um, for by paying. I think it's like six dollars a scenario, um, which is quite, quite steep. Quite steep. Yeah, I don't. So I don't know. You know, um, it might be something to try once I've played all the other scenarios to see if it's worth it. Like if I buy one of them and see how well it, is, it compares. But it's hard to say. And then as you buy more products, um, like if you're buying the expansions, you go into the app and tell it what you own, and it'll unlock more stuff. Like we had, um, I think it was about 16 characters available to us. No, there was, because of your original expansion, I think you had like 24. Maybe it was 24, but we had some oh, we could use. Oh, in the app. Use. Yeah, in the in app, the app there was only 16 available. Yeah, in the app there was 16 available. And that's because when you get the second edition, it comes with a conversion kit for first edition. So what it does is it gives you uh, character cards for all the characters that are available in, in um, first edition including um, characters you can get in other first edition upgrades. So there's a couple expansions that you can have for first edition that give you more characters. And I didn't have those expansions, so there were some characters I had cards for but no miniatures for. And there's nothing saying I couldn't use those characters if I said I had them. But um, just because you didn't, the app wouldn't let us select them. Yeah, wouldn't let us select them. So we had to make sure we separated them out so we weren't trying to choose them before uh, before we went on. Um, as you're setting up the game, too, you're telling the app what characters you're using so it knows who's in play. Yeah. Um, the one thing I had wanted to try but forgot because, you know, you kind of get into the game and yeah. forget about the game mechanic aspect of testing is whether the app would have recognized if we did too many actions in a round. Like if we would have tried to do with 
the five of us if it would have done an 11th action that would have caught us and said well it may not have caught us because there's no way of tracking actions but if maybe if we're trying to do something where it didn't think we could get to like if we moved twice and then did something as as well that was outside of the reach of where we started from maybe it might have caught that because it was pretty good at because there was um in the scenario we're doing there was this big base this big monster that was sort of circling the board and it was it told us where it started and then it would say it moves two spaces towards this tile and so it it pretty much knew where that monster was by the end of the game like the, when the yeah. game ended it knew exactly where that 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 creature was so it um just by following its instructions it, it you know as long as you're keeping doing everything it says to do it it knows approximately where everything is but would we have been able to hit all the site buttons and just like revealed yeah. everything? Like that was one thing I I, I meant to mention it, but yeah. forgot during gameplay just to see. You know, it's like, will it recognize that there's no way we could have been on the other side of the board yeah. in turn one? Because you can you can it is as the maps unveiled, as you unveil more and more of the map, you're adding tiles to your board, and it gets bigger and bigger. Like it got quite quite big. large. It, it was a quite a large map by the end of it. And as you ex- as you expand stuff, um, yeah, you're t- the only way to expand stuff is to open certain doors and to go to certain areas and look. Um, so I don't know if we ever got to a point where it would have recognized or not. We didn't. We weren't paying that close attention. No, we never tested the yeah. like whether the app would police rules to some degree or not. If it would let us look in an area, it didn't think we could have gotten to yet. Yeah. It's hard to say. Or even open more doors than, than we should have been able to, been able to yeah. in turn one. Yeah, true. We, we didn't try to game the app that way. Um, and I mean, no, ultimately, we didn't want we wanted to play the game. We didn't want yeah, to we're not trying to break, break the thing. The game. We, want, we, want we want to play, to play the game it, and have fun. But... Exactly. Um, but that's essentially the game. So you're going through this this app. You're, you're all interacting with things. You're doing tests with the dice. Sometimes the test, um, um, sometimes you're attacking creatures or creatures are attacking you. Um, and it's always a skill check. Um, sometimes the skill checks will give you additional dice. So it might say agility plus one. So it means you're rolling your agility plus an extra die. Um, so that's the only time where sometimes the number of dice they give you isn't enough. Like there's five dice. I had um, a will of five. And sometimes it said will plus one. I need to roll six dice. So I have to roll my five dice and I could re-roll another die kind of thing. Um, but that's... That's it. That's the only time where five dice wasn't enough is if it ever gave you the plus one on a check where you had maximum dice already. Such a rare occurrence, too. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. It happened a few times. There's always a blank die to re-roll almost. Yeah, you always roll a blank that you could just use as that extra die. Um, Your characters will get items as you go along. It it doesn't seem... It almost like the game doesn't care who has some items um, because you can trade items back and forth and the game doesn't know who has what. So sometimes you might have a key that opens a door across the board, um, and someone else was there. They could easily open that door because it know the game knows somebody has that key. It doesn't know who necessarily. And it tries to remind you if you don't have this key on yeah. this character, don't go yeah. into the door. Yeah, that's right. But um, if you guys haven't discovered the key yet, then it won't let you open the door at all, which is good. It's 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 good that it's smart that way. Um. But yeah, you you just basically you're playing through the scenarios until either you've won or you've lost, most likely lost. And like we did, yeah, we lost. <laughs> um, but I think as far as rules go, that's about it. Like we didn't really um, 
there's not again it's not, it's a not as strenuous and no. simplistic it's a fairly simplistic game no, regardless of the difficulty of each scenario the game itself plays through fairly easily it's and, like move interact and the app holds your hand through the, like it tells you exactly it, yeah. how it, much you it need does to most roll. of the heavy lifting yeah, yeah. yeah. like it, it'll say like you need um in this um in this situation you need to have two successes to avoid sometimes to avoid damage sometimes you'll take damage and um regardless of how many successes you get just to avoid anything worse i guess um how damage works in this game everybody has a a health and a will stat or a sanity stat i should say um and then there's these cards there's um damage cards and uh horror cards which are for your sanity Sometimes it'll say to take a damage face down. So you'll take one of the cards and just put it down face down in front of you, and it indicates you have one damage. Sometimes it'll say take a damage, um, and then when you do, you read it. And you read that damage card, and it could be that the damage is so bad that you get another damage card. Or it could be that it was so minor that you don't get a damage card. So that was rare, but it did happen. Um, sometimes you would get a card that says take another damage and then flip over two that you have. So you'd read the two that you had face down and see what else might happen to you. So that with damage and with horror and sanity, um, there's two different ways you could die. So if you ever get to the point where you've hit enough damage to equal your, your health stat or enough horror to equal your sanity stat, your character dies. Um, and we don't know, I don't know about all the different scenarios. Um, it might be that if one character dies, everyone loses. Um, in this one, it was very much one of us died. We had one more turn to do what we needed yeah. to get out. And then yeah. that was it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it might vary depending on, on your um, scenario, on, on what the wind conditions are. Um, sometimes there's people you might have to get to safety. Like in, in our scenario, there's a an agent we had to interact with and that wasn't a hundred percent clear. Like, yeah. They weren't clear enough that he needed to be a part of our escape Our escape. Yeah. Cause we were sort of at the end we, we had, we, we had lost. So we were just checking things out at the end and we, cause we, we interacted with this one guy and his, and his token moved, but it wasn't clear that we necessarily had to interact with him again, but he did still exist on the map. Well, I think the, the thing is, is that the first time he moved, I was expecting him to move another equal distance the next turn. Yeah, we thought maybe he would just move but on his own with the app. Because yeah. no one was able to stick with him because of our own situations, it was all of a sudden next turn past what I would have expected him to reach the escape point. is like, oh, he's hanging out there. He's still there. Like, yeah. uh, what the hell is this guy doing? And then we found out afterward, after we'd already lost, that, oh, we had to keep yeah, we started interacting with his token to see what would happen. He said, oh, hey, we need to find more information. He's like, oh, well, we already found all the information. So we told him that, and then he moved. I was like, oh, great. So now he's moving. So then, yeah, so we had to interact with him a couple times. Well, and you think the the app knew that we had the evidence. Like, yeah. It, we had interacted with the app to tell it we had the evidence. Yeah, and we had you know, so we when compiled we, our evidence, and we knew the, 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 the clues. Yeah, yeah, and when we talked to the agent the second time to get him to start moving he should have been like well we tell him we have all the evidence yeah. he needs like we found all this and we've called your extraction so let's go but no he's like oh i need evidence now yeah it's like no 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 we, we have we, all the evidence we already have it thank you <laughs> like what do you think we've been doing all this time <laughs> yeah but this being our our first playthrough together like i played through once before with the basic version uh 
Drew and Jeff both had um, had not, so this is their first playthrough. But um, you know, now we've gone through one scenario. If we next time we go through a scenario, we'll know if somebody moves and doesn't disappear. We'll Follow we'll interact with them. Yeah. <laughs> Follow them. Yeah. Because there was also like um, a guy on the street who I interacted with, and I interacted with a couple times, and he gave me something, and then I went back to him afterwards just to check, and he said nothing. There was a, well, he's like, I hope you're enjoying you. that thing yeah. that I gave you. I hope I hope it worked out for you, and that was it. So like, okay, well, there's nothing more to do with this guy. So yeah, he didn't disappear. So I didn't. Maybe that was sort of colored my perception that yeah, he didn't because disappear because he stayed. And while the agent moved, it was kind of, are we still responsible for him? Because yeah. the other people that we guy? were finished yeah. with stayed. Yeah. So, I don't know. And maybe it's covered in the rules somewhere. Because, you know, truthfully, I didn't go through these rules with a coma or anything. As I had played it once before. It's it's a basic kind of game where you're just moving, interacting, and, and doing what the app tells you to do. So, sometimes you just sort of take that for granted. Mm-hmm. That you, The app will tell you what you need to do. So, in this situation... We didn't know we didn't know we had to do that one thing, and that didn't cause us to lose it. We lost because the app. It was a hard scenario, and we got to a point where there were we so were many things swamped. on the board. It just over overwhelmed us. Yeah, it just would have been one more thing for us to have well, lost by. If we and hadn't. <laughs> like most of these uh, horror type games, it it came down to all of us going insane, not dying from health quite often it was insane i think everybody went insane didn't they yes everyone died from insanity i think yeah and it's kind of the point where you really kind of want to pick characters that have higher sanity because there's ways to recover health but there doesn't seem to be many ways to recover sanity. and we didn't have a lot of spells in this scenario so there was was a lot of ways though to recover health we had three different ways to recover health yeah bandages a spell and a book where three simple things that we found really quickly and we weren't taking a lot of damage. Nope. We had some, but most, not a lot. Most of yeah. what we were getting swamped with was horror. Yeah. And the higher sanity people had the ability to resist horror better even. Yeah. Like they could take it as well as resist it easier. Right. Because they had higher will typically. So, and now that's going to limit you if you need to do a lot of combat because, mm-hmm. I, but the, I wouldn't say we were light on combat in this one i was mostly just fighting things yeah i i amazingly avoided everything right until the end yeah i, I didn't have a weapon until or i think i was locked in combat for you know most. yeah you had like, a lot of combat yeah, you had a lot of combat and you didn't have a lot of clues so there's one thing you get are clues which are the little um magnifying markers that look like magnifying glasses and how the game works when you roll your um uh, stat check um every time you get an eldritch symbol that's a success and most most tests require you to have like two successes to go on. Um, if you roll any um, magnifying glasses on the dice, you can use one of your clues to turn that into a success. And there's um, some conditions like a focused, which will allow you to turn all magnifying glasses you roll into successes with a focused card if you have one. But that's essentially how it is. You're rolling for successes for any checks. Um, and so you, clues can be really handy, and you find them by investigating stuff. You'll, everyone starts with one or two clues. I can't maybe it was two. Two. I think it was yep. two. Yep. Everyone starts with two clues, um, and then you'll get more as you find evidence, or you find you know as you're investigating the uh, scenario. 
Uh, and Jeff just happened to be that he got used his first couple I, of clues well, up and never got any more clues. I <laughs> rolled a lot of clue symbols. Uh, there was a couple rolls where I'd roll yeah. one success on five dice and then four clues. Yeah. And <laughs> it was like, okay, I burned them up pretty quickly because yeah. I was in combat. The dice so, did not like you that game. No. They did not. But um, then the, the, my biggest beef with this game... Yeah, here we go. Is, we'll as well get into this. <laughs> is that the, the, you never certain what your role is going to be like there's no consistency if yeah. i want to swing a machete it is going to be different every time i swing it it might not use the same stat it might not have the same requirement it might not do the same damage like there yeah. has to be some form of consistency between weapons not necessarily that all weapons have to be used the same yeah but it's like if i'm swinging a machete it should always be this test and the weapon's damage should either always be applied or, you know, yeah. just never. I don't. I don't know. It, it frustrated me that one time I could do ten damage with a roll because I added the weapon's damage plus one for every success. For like every I rolled success you had yeah. five dice plus one. Well, I guess it was eight damage I did right. in one swing. And then the next time, even if I succeeded the check, I did only two damage. Right. Yeah. So the, how that works? Um, whenever you attack a creature. You select the creature on the app, and then you say how you are attacking. You say you're attacking it because you can either attack or evade these creatures. If you're attacking it, you say you're attacking it. Then you say how you're attacking it, and it gives you a list. And this could be like you do a, a standard melee attack. You could do bladed with a bladed weapon, weapon a heavy firearm. weapon, a firearm, a spell, unarmed, unarmed. Yeah, like a, a standard unarmed attack. You select what you're doing, and then it'll say, "Oh, this is what happens." You struggle to get the knife in you know at the creature do an agility test um and get two results and if you succeed if you pass you do um weapon plus successes damage if you fail then you know nothing happens um the next time it could be do a, a might test or um, yeah strength test and you know needing two results and you might only do the weapons damage or you might just do the results damage yeah and it, it can be back it's and forth also, like that i would the story behind each swing was appreciated like yep. the, the thematic mm -hmm. aspect it, it did give it, it a bit of you know variability so it's not always the same but, but i understand the the fact that a machete sometimes used agility and sometimes used might meant that if i gave it to someone who had good agility it might be a crap weapon if they had a low strength yeah, because they didn't know what they were going to use the next time. Right. So it's like what works for this character might not work for another character because you're not really going to be able to guarantee that this time you're going to use your strength or your agility. It's just different. And I think there should be consistency with weapons. Yeah. If this is an agility weapon, use the agility stat. Make the roll different, sure, but always make it the same stat check and always make it so that the weapon damage is applied plus successes, not randomly. I, I think that might be by design. I think, that I might think be it part was. Of the game. Oh, it totally is. You, you, yeah. can, you can mitigate that kind of thing by specifically selecting a character with flat stats, right? So it's you could, you know, just yeah. fours. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. threes or, or whatever. Threes or something down the board. But if if you want to, you know, in certain circumstances, gain that, that edge where, you know, like, oh, you know, like my observation was five. So, you know, I, I was, you know, pretty much the, the puzzle solver. Yeah, because the puzzles were pretty consistent. You were using observation, observation. for puzzles. Observation yeah. consistently. And, yeah. you know, you, you could have somebody that has a, you know, a really high, um, 
you know, strength, you know, comes in really handy in specific circumstance. Yeah. But if, you, if you're looking for, you know, sort of like, um, you know, e- even results in your combat, then yeah, you, you need to like look for, a, look for a character with flat stats because that's going to give you the most consistency out of those attacks. But the only problem I have with it is the inconsistency only came in with combat. Yeah. Like when you were doing a puzzle, you knew it was always observation. We knew yep. to make you do all mm-hmm. the puzzles because you were always going to roll five dice Plus, your character yeah. had a special ability to give you the bonus mm-hmm. yeah. solve thing. Like, but, we you know, knew again, your role. You, you can, you know, that that's the sacrifice in, in choosing that character, though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, you if, if you want to have something, you know, a character that's really good at something, then it comes at the expense of something else. So, potentially, combat. Yeah, yeah. but and, and my character wasn't good other, at combat, other. even though that was her role, because the die role was always random. Sure. Is my point. If you well, take but, a specialization you, you in combat, you didn't have a you didn't have a combat stat. Well, that's exactly it. Is yeah. you can't rely on a stat. Your my that's role right. was to do combat. Like my character had like nine health or something like that. Yeah, she was so you exceptionally can, you strong. Can, you can absorb a lot of damage, but that's yeah. not the same as no. as doing well in combat. Well, she's also an athlete, though. Like yeah. her okay. entire purpose, her description was that yeah. she was a combatant, but she couldn't do it consistently like someone who was yeah. a puzzle solver or yeah. someone who mm-hmm. like randall's character who had a high willpower so could succeed at all the what well, like checks and so, stuff. so you've yeah. got you've got a decent weapon and and in those in those moments where you get to use that your prime stat you know in the attack you're likely to put that thing down if you roll well yeah so it's, it's the same you know, with magic which I could it's the same with the spells because my character having a high willpower and a, and a good observation she, you know, is, is good with spells, but then there are occasions where I tried to use a spell and it went to my agility. Mm-hmm. It's like I try to get oh, my yeah, hands. I guess it did do the. It did that to me once. It, where yeah, it, it was only combat orientated where it did that yeah, stuff. It Whenever you're thing. fighting a creature, and that's the only time you're using spells. Spells typically, yeah. Well, no, because uh, Tara did have the healing spell, but Which it didn't we never require did use. her to use a roll. Yeah. It was just uh, like the card itself said, heal a wound or a damage, and, and then, then flip, flip the it card and, and see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. Like the app didn't have anything to do with that. That's true. It didn't have that. Yeah, anything that had to do with the app and, and, and in kind of situation like that, then it could be random on what you're you're rolling for. Yeah. It just it makes the game harder, especially if you take a character who doesn't have great stats to help out other like in other aspects if i wanted to help with the puzzle i was rolling three dice yeah with no bonuses or anything so i sacrificed stats to be the protector and mm-hmm. couldn't effectively protect people because the randomness of, of the, of the of test the, of the test yeah it's like if i could consistently say that when i attack this turn i'm going to do my weapon damage if i succeed and my successes yeah. like every other test was then it would have been easier that it was slightly yeah. random but not that this time i use agility this mm-hmm. time i use might this time i might not get to do weapon damage this time i do like it just yeah it's all over the place it was well just roll better jeff <laughs> yeah Come on, is that, that hard you know <laughs> yeah. but no I, I i think it's there by by design and mm-hmm. and i i don't think that's in in my view that's that's not a knock against the game i think that's it can be if, annoying if you, you know it's it, still it's, uh, you know, play D and D. Take a human with you know <laughs> flat stats across everything. I mean, it's no, you, but you know, there's there's that that wouldn't necessarily be a a bad character, but you go you know, with maybe D&D, not the most though, exciting. You always in, in know specific. what you're rolling. That's yes, my point. but you're 
yes, but you're missing mine. No, I, you're <laughs> saying that it's you have to take a flat character to if excel, you, but that's not what I'm that's, complaining about. And that's about. not what I'm saying, though. I'm saying that if you want consistency in combat, then you need a character with flat stats in this game. No, because it's not character-based. It's That's not what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if I'm a 5-2 character or a 3-3 three, three character. The problem is, is that the weapon is never consistent, not the character. Like even the damage he's saying too, is not isn't always consistent. If I'm using a blade like a machete, I, mm-hmm. I used a machete throughout the entire game. Yep. Every time I rolled it, it was different. So if using the machete was always consistent, that would make sense. But I think that that tied into the to um, you know the the text that they gave you each each time that you yeah, that yeah you didn't definitely. Attack. So, you know, in this in this case, the whatever monster grabbed your wrist and, and so you have to overcome that. And so yeah. there's there's a might roll there or, you know, it's it's dodging on the way and, and you have to use an agility, um, you know, attack this turn. So I, I it worked thematically. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I it works thematically. It, and I could also see it being as opposed to a, di- a game where you're rolling your dice for damage and you're doing variable damage that way. The app is sort of doing variable damage instead. It's like sometimes you're just doing the the weapons damage and nothing else. Sometimes you're adding successes to the damage. So that's your. I think it's maybe a bit more. It's more thematic, and yeah, it is thematic, and it's taking away having to roll like a die for damage and doing as much damage as you do on the die roll instead. But see, they already added the mechanic of successes add to damage. Not or all. success adds yeah. to like for puzzles. It was always just success was how many times you got to manipulate the puzzle mm-hmm. yeah yeah but for combat it wasn't ever consistent no no but and um, that was my only complaint if, if mm-hmm. you wanted the machete to always do two damage then like whatever you test agility it does two damage right i, I wouldn't complain about it because yeah. it's consistent and it's consistency that matters with game mechanics not theme well if 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 it's two things that i can say about um fantasy flight Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror, Elder Signs, yeah. Mansions of Madness, uh, you know, like anything in their HP Lovecraft craft Cthulhu mythos. Uh, the first thing is that it You're is it is all story driven. <laughs> yeah. It is primarily story driven. Yeah. There is true. so much text that they throw yep. at you. And and I'll be honest, I think that's actually one of the things I, I love about these games. Um, if you're an HP Lovecraft fan, you love Cthulhu, man, you're going to get a ton of that here. Yeah. Which is great if you like that. Two is if you think that you're going to get some fairness out of these games. <laughs> oh, no. No, you, I don't. <laughs> you, you know, like I said, I expect to lose in these games. It's about these going games. through it like for the yeah. experience of it. Yeah. And that was the only part of this, like the theme of it. The Like the app did a good job of yep. keeping you in to kind of like the mm-hmm. mood of the game and everything it's just it consistency will, it will slowly and well i mean not slowly sometimes it's very quickly it will <laughs> grind you <laughs> until there's nothing left that's it, true e- even when you pick you know we, we, we've played elder sign and actually oh, did, yeah. you know we did a show on it yep um you know you could you could think that you're doing very well and then suddenly and it's, it's over done. you know yep. in a turn and it's done yeah and even when you pick like the easiest um, you know, elder to go after, mm-hmm. and just get maimed. Yeah, like yeah. these these games from Fantasy. It's almost like I don't know why I keep playing them, <laughs> other than uh, you know it, they're so immersive in mm-hmm. in HP Lovecraft. Well, they've also been getting better with each iteration, and that it kills you a little faster, so you're not spending oh. eight hours to get to your death point. It's yeah. 
four well, hours. Well, in this case, you know, like we said, it it was you know it was supposed to be X number of yeah, it's supposed to be like an hour to two hours, and, and we were like four hours, yeah, four yeah. hours. It it took its time with punishing us, <laughs> and I, yeah, I don't know why I keep coming back. To this. <laughs> okay, well that's uh, maybe a good enough discussion on Mansions of Madness. Now let's try to come up with a decision. Um, they're both very different games, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, replayability, there's probably more replay. There's definitely more replayability with um, Betrayal at House on the Hill because it comes with the base game comes with 50 different scenarios, um, and the chances of you playing a second, you know, you, you there's always a chance that you'll play a scenario over over again. But the triggering conditions are so different that the chances are, are slim. And then you get the uh, Widow's Walk expansion. It adds another 50 scenarios onto there. So you have like 100 different scenarios you could potentially play through. Um, whereas Mansions of Madness, um, like the initial game, has about, I think, five or, or maybe six scenarios out of the box. And you have to buy expansions to get additional scenarios. Now you can replay scenarios. It's not that difficult. Um, you'll probably, know, you know, there's some things you'll know if you've played a scenario before. But if you're playing with different characters, things can change a bit. Um, a bit. And, and there is random... I think there is some random... Uh, like how the how the scenario will unfold, there are some random elements to it that the app takes care of. Because I know I've played like the first scenario once, and then um, my wife and Nick played with Tara and, and your kids. And from the sounds of it, their scenario came out very differently than my than than the playthrough i had where they even had a traitor um one of one of the people turned a traitor so even though you played a scenario more than once it can have a bit of a different um outcome so it's not not guaranteed to be exactly the same every time i guess the question is is like if the scenario we played through yeah it's always interact with said agent and get him to the boat it would probably be a little too simple because you know exactly where Mm -hmm. all the items are Unless they move things Unless around. Unless they move things around. If but it's randomized that way too, like he ends up being somewhere else we have to, and we run into him somewhere else, that could be. But I, I'm yeah. assuming it uses the same map tiles always. That's a good question though. I don't know. If not, there's yeah, no replayability in that scenario. If there is, then yeah. you can probably replay it, play it as many times as you want. You yeah, just I'd have to see know. what the app does too. If you ran through yeah. the same scenario, would it throw the same monsters at you? Would you have? Would you even have the same victory condition? Right, you know, in, in our case, it was uh, escape. You know, do Signaling a couple things a, and then escape. Signal and, something and then and, and run for a rendezvous point. Maybe that's yeah. not, you know, maybe it just doesn't have the same end victory condition where I, you have. To I escape. have a feeling from like the scenario we went through because of the theme. I think it's always going to be the same. I think it is maybe. too, and because I, as I recall, like the first scenario, I think even though the playthrough varied a bit, I think it's still exen- essentially the same. You have to find so much evidence, and then something happens. So I think, I think the essential stuff is the same. It's just there might be some randomization for some elements, based on not character. Everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you, you're you're going to end up buying expansions to get more scenarios, or purchasing scenarios through the app if if you find it's worth it. If you want to try spending six dollars on this scenario, which really. When you're playing, we, Six we, we, dollar dollar person. It's not bad. It's not bad. And nope. we consider some like like we play time stories. Um, Jeff and I with our with our wives, and that's like twenty five to thirty dollars a a scenario, and it's a six to eight hour playthrough. 
and it's still cheaper than going to a movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I guess you know, spending six dollars on a scenario in this, which would I guess be three it, to four hours, isn't bad. It, yeah. it seems high because you're not adding anything to the game, but realistically, is not high when you yeah. consider that it's still using yeah. everything you have and adds new story play. It's yeah. not that bad. And if you did try to go through a scenario a second time to see how it played through, then you know, that's that's something else too. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm, you know, I'll probably end up trying, since it is a one-to-five player game, I might try a solo on the same scenario we did just, just to, to see. see if how, you know, if it makes any difference or not. It'd be interesting to try. Mm-hmm. You know? Or even, you know, get my, a Nick and I will maybe try it again and we'll see if uh, see what we think. But now, to try to pick a, a winner, um, I really like both games. Um, but I think just for the consistency and and the quality of the uh of the scenarios, I, I I have to pick Mansions of Madness. I really do like Betrayal House on the Hill, and I really like that there's that so many different types of uh, so many different um, scenarios that you can go through and and not you know run into the same one again. But I think it's more one that we'll probably probably go back to Betrayal a bit more because it's you know it plays up to six players, Quick. and and we can you know just pull it out and, and a bunch of us can play it. But um, I think for the richness of the in, of the experience my pick has to be with mansions just because it's just so much more thematic and and you really feel like from the very beginning of the game you're you're really in it and you're in you're exploring and you're you're encountering the whole thing yeah it goes back to the betrayal you essentially feel like you spend the first however long it takes to get to the haunt you're setting up and it it is consistent it is essentially the same gameplay though every time until you get to the haunt right so even though i don't like consistency in mansions of madness i do like the theme better yeah so i i'd have to go with mansions as well just because it you know right from the beginning your story you're playing towards something you might get frustrated that you don't know that you have to (laughs) tell someone to go do something at some point but it thematically works much better yeah yeah as as you're laying out your your mansion um in betrayal it can it's, be such a weird shape. Well, it, it, yeah, <laughs> it I mean, can it, be. Yeah, it can I, be. Totally. I don't really have a, a, any issue with that. Um, it, but it, but it, yeah. There, there, there's consistency in it, but it, but it's just like you say, it's set up. It's you know, it's the prelude to the haunt. Yeah, and um, you know, it's explore as much as you can to get items and that sort of thing. I, I don't really kind of feel any like you know foreboding in that part. No. Yeah. You know, and and you're right. Like you, you really don't feel the the theme of it or or any of the you know the flavor of the of the haunt until it's triggered. Yeah, and and then it's you know that's when the game really starts. Whereas with Vansions, it's it's immersive from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was essentially in in the very first turn where somebody was trying to get into the room where we were in. Yeah. yeah. So right just away, banging on the door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it Word. was narrated. The, the narrator did an excellent job. Voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah acting stuff like it was just it put you in the situation yep. you were in yep. and you felt it it wasn't uh okay i'm gonna wander you see you guys once we figure out what the hell's going on here yeah yeah absolutely um and i mean i i love the i love lovecraft yeah love the Cthulhu yeah. mythos and, and it does a good way of, and it's a good does a good job of yeah of taking you into that world yeah as opposed to the, and all the other games i do too are, are really good but this one it's it's because you're, you're you're that character and you're in this in these rooms and you're going room to room kind of thing. It really pulls you in more than like 
Eldritch Horror is great, but you're mm-hmm. you know you're playing on a big map, yep. and you're you're moving from city to city kind of thing. It's not quite as as immersive. Yeah. And Elder, Elder Sign, you're of, hopping from a card to another card, to another which card. represent things. But yeah, and so the immersion really comes through on Mansions of Madness. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a even bit of more a so than any of the other well, Cthulhu games. And, and yeah. they, they toy with you, make you feel like you're actually successful yeah. a little uh, bit longer before they stomp on you yeah. hard. Yeah, you, <laughs> there's there's kind of a sense of when when the game turns on you, yeah. and then and then you you know there's that that added suspense and and tension with you know kind of realizing you know uh, there's more stuff it's, that we're dealing with. Yeah. And, it's ramping, and yeah, <laughs> we, we need to like really push on and get things done and. And you know, avoid this, and com- you know, only engage in combat when we have to, and and it gets out of control very fast. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very good at building that. Tension. It is, and I, I I see betrayal being more like the the party game version. You know, it's it's well, it's, it's, it's quicker to get going. It's quicker to get going um, because there's no app. It's just everyone sit around on mm-hmm. the table, start taking your turns until something yep. happens. Um, but it's not, yeah, not doesn't have the immersion, but you don't have to be as invested in it. As as like with Mansions of Madness, you really want to be invested in it, and yep. that's why I think it's harder to play something like Mansions in a situation where there's a lot of noise. Um, yeah, because you get pulled out of it more, and you're not really fully in there. And that's I guess one of the other knocks, like we talked about how yeah the the stat um the checks can be kind of random with 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 attacking. Um, one of the knocks to this game could be um, the future proofing of it. Because it does require an app. Um, mm-hmm. yes. It's an app-based game. So what's going to happen in the future? You know, it, it, I imagine Fantasy Fight's going to be fairly good. It's one of their big properties. This whole Cthulhu thing. It's because you know, it's an asset until such point as you fail with it and you can yeah. no longer play. Like, okay, so yeah. while uh, just we, we can circle back to that that component since you brought it up again, um, it is available on Steam for Windows. Oh, okay, yeah, there for go. PC. Yeah, oh, that's good. Um, and for Apple. So that would help a little bit. But Typically, help. the things that you get through Steam uh, hang around forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so your, it has tablets, a good life there. Tablets yeah. and, and phones, I think you're you're going to – well, not like you're going to run this on a phone, but no. you could. You could. But, um, yeah, I think you'd have less less compatibility there as, as devices cycle. Yeah. Um, they happen to – Because, yeah, yeah as OSs yeah. advance, if the apps don't get updated to work with the new version of the OS, yeah. then you could run into problems. So, like, oh, great, this app yeah. only works with version – you know, yeah, especially five or, or older or newer, you know, whatever. Where so, if it's yeah. a popular enough game, if it's on Steam, there will be some user yeah. out there that will do a compatibility mod later if the OS yeah. goes beyond yeah. what it can handle yeah. it or something. So that will give it quite a bit of life. So I could, you know, then it's a little bit less to worry about. And I do like the ability, like with Steam, um, you can play it on a you know fairly big monitor mm-hmm. and have some good speakers with it. Um, where with, an, with a tablet... You know, unless you uh, most tablets, I don't, you know, I can't say that. Some tablets have the ability to output to TVs, like mine does. Not all tablets have that though. Like iPads, it can be a bit weird because mm-hmm. this this app didn't um, seem to support um, Chromecasting, where you can output to a Chromecast. So, because it didn't have that um, output symbol, uh, which would also make it hard to play, anyways. Because when you output with Chromecast, I don't, I think you lose the ability to interact with the screen as easily. So yeah. that's probably why they don't do it. Yeah, and um, there's constant interaction with that. And there's so. constant interaction with it. Whereas with my tablet, I could output to an HDMI cable to a TV, but still, and have it mirror so I can still interact with the tablet and have it on the TV. 
So you're, if you're going to do something like that, you want to have a tablet that can do that. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure that all tablets can do that. So it's, it's really variable. So it's, it's really nice if you can do that, but otherwise you're pretty much just playing on the tablet screen. Mm-hmm. So you want to have a nice quiet location and, and ability for everybody to be able to see the screen, like either having to pass it around or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so there you go. Um, that's our winner for this week. It's mansions of madness. Uh, now for our second segment, I'm um, doing something a little different this this week because it's Halloween, and so you might be listening to this on or after Halloween. But I wanted to just talk, you know, um, just have a bit of a discussion about games that are good to play on Halloween, uh, and maybe not necessarily your typical ones because we all know there's your standard zombie games. There's tons of those oh, out there. <laughs> can't throw a rock without hitting fire. Yeah. Oh God, zombicide. Zombicide, Winter, really huge. Dead of Winter, Zombies, the expansion, whatever. <laughs> yeah. the, I can't remember what the new one's called. Zombie Munchkins, Zombie oh, Munchkins. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, zombies are out there. Yeah. Um, you got all the great ones from Fantasy Flight that are in the Cthulhu universe. Um, we got Mansions, Eldritch Horror, mm-hmm. Elder Sign, and all that. Fury of Dracula. Fury of eh, Dracula, which maybe is not great. A, I don't know, but it's Fantasy no, Flight. It's, it's thematic. It's yeah, got it's thematic. theme. It's thematic. We've we talked about that game before, yeah. even though we find there's some issues with it. Yeah, I think at some point we we plan on circling back to see if we if yeah. feel that way about it. We want to revisit it just so we can make sure that we're not totally out there because we so many people seem to love that game. We want to mm-hmm. at some point revisit it and and make sure we're not totally off base. Well, we had our, our games from last Halloween. Yeah, um, which were uh, Fear of Dracula and, and Letters from White Castle. And then before that. Uh, that was our first Halloween. Well, actually, we well, but you and I played uh, Witch of Salem. Oh yeah, we did Witch of Salem, which is in the Cthulhu universe, just done, yeah. done by a different company. Which yeah. is actually, I, I was, I was a good, really impressed with that one. It's it, a, it a good little game if you want yep. to get away from Fantasy Flight but still stay in the, the same Cthulhu theme. Yep. Yeah, that was a very good game. It's it a fun little game. Yeah, and then um, there's also, but um, like looking at maybe odd choices too, because on on the weekend. Um, my wife and uh, Nick and I were at uh, one of our local cafes, and they were doing this thing as like a board game blitz, where mm-hmm. you would start playing one game, but then after a certain amount of time, your table would move to a different game, and you'd be on teams. So like each, like maybe it's like four player games, each person would be on a different team. So like you'd be on square team, you'd be on circle team, and you would move tables, and then at the end of it all, whichever team collectively did the best in all the games. You know, be the ultimate winning team. But he was trying to pick games that were kind of thematic with Halloween. Um, but he he had some interesting ones, which I wouldn't necessarily like. He had a couple that were definitely, I would say, yeah, sure, they're they're Halloween games. He had Mysterium, which is you know where you have the ghost who's trying to um, direct people using cards in a Dixit style setting um, to who his murderer was. So that's very thematic. Mm-hmm. They had um, Terror in Meeple City, um, which was originally called Rampage. <laughs> Rampage. Um, I, I don't know if Jeff is no. familiar with this one. It's it's this, oh. it's, it's really I never played it before either. It's and fantastic. it's this game where you, you set it up and you have all these buildings, and the buildings have different levels, and the levels are supported by meeples. And you have monsters. Everyone has monsters. So it is Rampage. It is. It is Rampage. They they had probably they licensing issues. Licensing they, issues. Exactly. exactly had that. So um, you have your monsters, and then with your monster, you have different things you can do. You start have like a starting area, and then you can put your chin on your monster and blow at a at a building. And if you knock the building over or knock meeples off the building, 
Um, you could potentially eat those meeples. Um, you could take cars or trucks that are in your space around you, put them on top of your monster, and flick them at a building. <laughs> you could, there's different things you can do. You could take your monster and drop them on the board. And if he causes enough disruption, again, you could get meeples and eat them. And so you take anything you could potentially eat, which are meeples or floors off the building, you stick behind your screen. You can get special powers or whatever, but that it's the kaiju giant monster attacking a city kind of game. So thematic. Yep. It fits with Halloween for, for the general monster kind of thing. But then the other two games he had chosen, um, one was Castles of Mad King Ludwig, which isn't really a horror game. No, not really. Um, the only way I could sort of see it fitting is that as word mad in the title mad in the title but or and you get like a weird castle like you get a castle that makes no sense and you do see movies in, in the genre that are sort of like that where you get lost in a in a, in a castle or, or some kind of big house mansion and you don't know your way around so i think maybe that's where he was going with it you have these weird castle you know this weird building that you're making that makes no sense but it, it's odd but maybe not fully thematic but i could you could sort of bend your way around it. And then the last game that he had chosen was Godfather. Which again Monsters? No the or God, something else. Yeah, Godfather, it's it's your typical gangsters, right? You know, it's the mafia. Yeah. You're you're head of a crime family. Um so I guess you could sort of even bend that one into being thematic in that gangs and, and that kind of violence can be scary. Right? Like um you always, you know, not not fantastical scary. Not though. not yeah, not horrific scary. Well, I guess it can be, especially when you see what they do to people. What they do to people sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, it can be. If you let your imagination go with you, then it could be kind of scary. But the typically the typical thing is when you're thinking of a, a mafia mob situation, it's more about gaining control of territories and you know, yeah, making money. So a couple of those games didn't really necessarily feel thematic with Halloween, but you could you could extrapolate saying that, well, you could almost go there. You could say that there are scary elements of these games to sort of bring you into it. But then there's, like, Gloom. Gloom's a perfect one, especially if you yeah. have people engaged in it that you could have thrown out easily on a table that everyone can pick up. Because, I mean, especially if you're narrating your things that you're doing to mm-hmm. yeah, everyone if you're, if you know you're playing it a story in a story yeah, yeah. yeah like it that very thematic very entertaining at the same time mm-hmm. yeah if you get if you get the right the right people playing it who you know really engage the game it engage the story of what you're doing it, to these poor it can people be, yeah, very it's fun. hilarious yeah. yeah oh absolutely and, and there's a couple different versions of gloom too because there is even a cthulhu yeah, version. Cthulhu, cthulhu, gloom, yeah. Yeah. but even the non-cthulhu version is Actually, know. it's the one I prefer. Is the non-Cthulhu? Non-Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah, they're both uh, they're both good, but yeah, the not, the original is nice. It's it's fun, and very thematic. We are very good for Halloween. There's various versions of other games too. Like Munchkin has various different versions that you could throw into a, a, a horror. You know, has a horror theme involved with it. There's um, Flux it has some. There's a zombie Flux. There's mm-hmm. there might be. I don't know if it's, that might be the only really thematic version of Flux. Well, but. it depends. I mean, it, if you're throwing a horror party there's lots of things out there if you're throwing like a superhero themed halloween there's yep. like you, it depends on what your definition of halloween it has to be horror then i guess it's true because it, you know typically when it's just like about dressing up in a costume it doesn't have to be a scary costume yeah 
if you look at all the, you know, if you go to any costume site, the first thing you're going to see are sexy versions of whatever. <laughs> so you, you could, <laughs> I don't know. I can't fit into the sexy cat anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. So one one that I own, I, I I don't know if you guys have ever played it. It's called the Bloody Inn. No, nope. no, I, I think, I think I've, heard, I've heard, of heard of it, but I don't. I never played it. Um, so it's a seven point oh on on BGG with uh, three point four thousand ratings. Um, the weight is actually it's two point three six, so it's it's nice and light. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, very easy to to engage the game, and essentially the 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 theme of this is that uh, it, it's set in France in eighteen thirty one, and the village that you uh, live in uh, sees a lot of travelers go through. Right, and yep. you're you are part of a family of of, far, of greedy farmers who you know uh, see that you know these these travelers coming through could be a, an excellent source of, of money, uh, especially if you have no uh, <laughs> no real hangups about murder. Right, yeah. So you you know you have these inns that you're running, and uh, travelers come in, and sometimes they, they don't, don't leave. They check don't out. leave. Yeah, but. What to do with all these bodies? So there's there's a component of the game where you are disposing of the evidence, and uh, you know the the police stop by every once in a while, and and you know avoiding suspicion as you're disposing of these corpses and and you know making your way, um, and it's it's yeah it's, it's quite macabre. Uh, the artwork for it is is you know really fits the theme well with it, and um, I, I've really enjoyed playing that. Almost makes me think a little bit of like Sweeney Todd. It is very Sweeney Todd. Which makes me, I, I just did a search on, for Sweeney Todd and I didn't see anything board game related for Sweeney Todd. So that's like an IP that I, I never. I Not exploited. Never, no, no. never exploited, yeah. Well, I'm, Get I'm in sure, there. Write well, a game. Sweeney Todd's not old enough that it'd be a free IP. So it'd be one you'd have to license. I'm sure from the original um, writer. But uh, it'd be interesting. But Bloody End sounds like that's. They've taken their inspiration for something like Sweeney Todd. Yeah, it could be. It's it's yeah, it's yeah. nice and nice and dark and. <laughs> well, that, that's a, yeah, that's a good, that sounds like a good one, definitely. And then it also makes me think of I don't know for some reason we were talking about the bloody end, but then I popped into my head like guillotine, which isn't necessarily horror again, but it's one where the whole premise of the game is you're chopping off heads, and you're, heads. Trying to, you're trying to get the best value, <laughs> you know, for the people you've. you've yeah, it was an bought. interesting one. Yeah, so. That could also that could kind of fall into um into a Halloween theme as well. I'd suggest Kingdom Death because it's quite the horror universe in and of itself, but it's not the type of game you can get done in an evening type no. thing. But it fits the genre, just fits not the genre, the, not the length. Yeah, or maybe the budget. Yeah, <laughs> for a lot of people, <laughs> or availability. True, because it's it's whenever he does his his Kickstarters to do a, an upgrade or a new version is when you can jump back in to get it right yeah and he should have like 1.5 games available come like november here finally yeah because you just got your 1.5 upgrade kit yeah which just to talk about it for a sec really improved a lot of the quality of certain components and yeah it it fixed some things that people were straying away from and extended gameplay so that's cool yeah it'll be good another one that, that i've seen i haven't played um 6.1 on on bgg um, weight is really low, so one point two nine. So this is a game that I'm, is probably accessible, maybe not so challenging. Yeah. But, but the description is fifty black stories, thirty one crimes, forty nine corpses, eleven murders, twelve suicides, and one deadly meal. 
and it is called Black Stories. Oh, okay. No, I so I, I've seen one. this yeah. at, at our local friendly game store. Yeah. Um, I haven't picked it up, but um, I, I've seen it, and it looks okay. interesting. Well, that's different. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, definitely. And there's, you, if you always look around at some of the smaller um, portable games, there's always something that you can find that uh-huh. that'll you know work in, in these situations. Like obviously, Werewolf is one that's been around forever. Yeah. There's like One Night Ultimate Werewolf now, which even comes with an app which will narrate for you, mm-hmm. as opposed to the original Werewolf. We have to have one person sort of being the narrator and 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 driving the game. The app will do it for you. Um, there's a few, few different versions of that now too, which take the same kind of theme as Werewolf and and give you like the the trader mechanic. But they're good party games, so they would really work well in a Halloween party kind of situation. But even if you're not doing a party and you're just doing some friends together just to play games you know obviously a lot of good choices there um but a lot of those hidden traitor ones can sometimes be quite good um paranoia (laughs) always adds to the it adds to the you know mood of the evening when you don't know (laughs) you're not sure who's working with you or against you exactly so almost any kind of game regardless of its theme could work especially when it has those hidden traitor mechanics like uh, Battlestar Galactica not a not a scary game but suspenseful suspenseful that suspenseful works yep. absolutely because you know there's going to be a Cylon who is who the, is it or, or more or more yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah go back and listen to our podcast on that and, <laughs> and and hear all about how I was pretty sure it was Jack <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah so any, anything with a hidden traitor can can really be pulled in because it, it, it just it's it's a fun evening. It just be you know it can be a fun evening if you have the right people again. Sometimes you know you may not have the right group mixing and, and, it, and it can get sort of derailed. But, and then um, of course, if you want to do the true theme of Halloween, you could always do Candyland. I mean, you <laughs> oh could you God. could adult adult size it a <laughs> little bit <laughs> by uh, I don't know, make it a drinking game somehow. Oh, that wouldn't be hard. make yeah. your creativity for that. But I yeah. mean. <laughs> Speaking of suicide, <laughs> <laughs> or bringing out you know candy corn, sticking it on yeah. the spaces. Okay, eat all your candy corn. I think get anyone who's had to play that with children once they were past the age of you know yeah. that game mechanic, <laughs> it really is a game of oh my god, I want to slam my head into a wall. Yeah. But <laughs> Halloween theme, damn it! <laughs> yeah, that's right. It works. It works if you have kids. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you're interested in finding you know thematic games, just. Ever to BGG, the advanced uh, yeah. search has a, has a horror category. Yeah, just no, absolutely. Start going down. Yeah, the if list. you really want to get into the def- definite horror ones, but yeah. you know, keep your mind open to other games sure. that may not be a horror based game, but give you some suspenseful elements. Something that just you know, something that immerses you into the into the into the game and and really invokes the mood of, of Halloween. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, I think that would be a good place to. to to cut our discussion there but um so thanks for listening um i'm not sure when the next episode is going to be it's, it's going to be two to three weeks or so from now but um be sure to check you know keep checking for it um so thanks for listening uh make sure to follow us on our website at boardnowgaming.com you can get find us on facebook on twitter we're also um i have a subreddit um for board now gaming Subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Uh, be sure to check out our guild on Board Game Geek. We have a link to it from our website, so you can find it easily that way. 
And we'd love to hear from you. You know, uh, if you have any um, questions or comments, uh, please reach out to us. Um, what do you think of our of our um, discussion today? Did you um, have anything you want to add to it? You know, anything that you think um, or you didn't agree with us, and you want to uh, let us know and and or, or start a dialogue, and, and and we'll reach out to you. And we will not be responsible if you play Candy Candy, candy Land. Candy Land. That, that's no, your own fault. We can't be. Uh, <laughs> no complaining. <laughs> that's right. We can't be held responsible for Candy Land. <laughs> um, but also, if you have any suggestions, uh, we have a list of various games that we're going to be, you know, in the future we'll we'll be comparing. But if you ever think of, hey, ever thought of comparing these two games and seeing what you thought, you know, reach out and let us know. That'd be great. Um, but anyways, happy <laughs> Halloween, and until next time, keep on gaming. Board now. Somewhere I don't really know But it's someone, someone always thinks about it somehow Let me go